everyone welcome to monday this is episode number 98 and it's not on a friday and uh i'm sure we'll we'll talk about that in a minute how's everyone doing if i look pale it's because i haven't been outside in a week <laughs> so uh i'll start with the uh the updates before we get into some questions and stuff uh i got the flu it happens uh, and i had no uh no voice for four days straight, literally no voice at all. Um, so uh, this is my first day back with a voice. Uh, came back a little bit yesterday, but not enough to do this. Uh, I figured the first day I had available to do it, I'd do it it's today. So um, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yo-yos. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that too. Um, and um, anyways, um, <clears throat> so uh, and now I have a voice. I want to just kind of tell everybody just in advance I have some hot tea here and some cold water here. And uh, if I cough, I apologize. I'm going to try to mute it, anything like that. I, I think it should be okay. Mostly it was the flu. It's not really cold symptoms. Uh, but like I said, losing the voice really, really, really. Pre-Namthax. That's what I'm thinking, right? Get it out of the way. So I heard it was a bad flu season. Uh, but uh, kind of snuck up out of it. And with my whole family. Just the whole house got wiped out same time. And I think it's the first time ever that we all got it the same time within a day from each other. And uh, so it was a it was a little death camp at the house. So uh, that's the first thing. So thank you guys for joining me on a Monday. And uh, sorry about the Friday, but I figured we do it as fast as we can, as soon as we can. And especially with the NAM coming up, uh, I'm still planning to go to the NAM. We'll talk about that too and all that stuff. And uh, we got some stuff to talk about. First thing I'm going to talk about is, let me grab this, is right here, is yo-yos. Uh, my friend Stephanie works at the yo-yo factory, no no joke, and uh, the yo-yo factory is here in Arizona, and they make yo-yos, and uh, I think I talked about this on Instagram, but it was so cool I wanted to share with you guys. She made me some yo-yos. Is that freaking cool or what? They're made of uh, solid maple. And um, anyways, I just thought that was cool, man. I've never seen anything like that. Um, and to tell the story, it's kind of funny. I don't want to steal her story, but it's such a cool story. Um, she works at the yo-yo factory. Uh, one of my, my buddies, Larry Mitchell, who's this amazing guitar player, you know, obviously a, a Grammy-winning artist, um, he uh, he played at a show and I introduced her and her husband Eric to him and uh, they hit it off because you know they're great people and he's great people and uh, he found out she did yo-yos and he was excited so he asked her uh, I think she did it on her own she made him a yo-yo anyways he loved the yo-yo so he had her make him some yo-yos and then she told me the story and I thought that was really cool and um, there's even more of the story I guess Steve I even got some yo-yos too so um Anyways, uh, last week, right before I got sick, uh, my wife and her went to the store. And when my wife came back, she gave me a box of yo-yos, which I thought was the coolest thing. Um, John asked the question, will you be selling them? Well, I think that's the thing is that she can make these for us if we want to do them. If I, if you guys want to do this, I think they're cool, man. This is just the coolest thing. If you guys want to do this, I would really like to do it as a limited run kind of thing. Uh, it'd be kind of really cool to do. Um, and, um, 
uh, you know, like I said, because they're they're interesting, and we would do it. So if you guys are interested, let me know in the comments and stuff. I uh, uh, maybe I'll gauge it. I'd like to do it because I'm gonna have to buy them, of course. You know, right? Buy a number from her um, from the Oyo factory, and we'll maybe we'll make a cool sticker pack with them. And and, and but like I said, I like to do it as a one time thing. Maybe we'll re you know redo it maybe once a year or something like that. But this is something that I thought would be cool. I, I definitely think it's cool. So so I just want to share that with you because. I don't know. I thought it was awesome. Uh, the kids have been playing yo-yo more than anything else. So, so cool. Matt said he'd buy a yo-yo. Ah, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely for the idea. So, uh, I'll make an announcement. Maybe we'll do it next live show. Uh, I'll talk to her and see, uh, what it costs and how to do it. And, and, uh, we'll set it up. And like I said, I'd like to do a run because that way we can package them all up and have them all ready to go. And you, that way you guys, you know, you guys click and buy them and then we'll ship them straight out and I'll link it through probably through reverb somewhere we can just click reverb and we ship it and that's all done that way because we'll be the first person to ever sell yo-yos on reverb but i sell my stickers on reverb but it should work that way so yeah do they come in rosewood or rich light this is an interesting question questions that only us could want to ask but uh i can tell you right now i'm not going to try to ship a rosewood yo-yo to europe though it's not going to happen yeah so um yeah, make picks too. I had picks before, and I uh, opted out of doing picks to do more stickers. I do want to add picks back in the mix as well, so that'd be something cool. Maybe that's what it needs to be. Maybe need a yo-yo, like two picks, two stickers, like package it up as a thing and ship it out. Anything that can sit, sit, I can send in a in a like a Manila padded envelope or something. It's where the freight's low. You know what I mean? Because that's the thing. You want to make it something easy for people overseas to get as well. Um, we can keep it. Uh, relatively inexpensive. We've we shipped stickers and T-shirts uh, really inexpensively in in those envelopes, envelopes, envelope. I'm sure everybody's got a different ways of saying it. So, um, you know, as <laughs> Steve says, I'd like to buy a yo-yo. It's been a long time since I broke something inside. Here's the funny thing: anyone I've handed the yo-yo to, it is instinctual for them just to go and start. Just you can't help it. It's like I don't know. It takes you back. So I'm excited. Uh, you know what I mean? It's cool. Uh, you know, I'm really shocked too, is, is there's how many guitar players seem to be yo-yo fanatics. It seems to be really connected more than I ever probably would ever perceive it to be. So, all right. So now we've talked about yo-yos and me being gone last week uh, for being sick with the flu. Uh, we're going to talk about the NAM. That's in a couple days, right? I want to talk to you guys about that as well. Um, all right, a lot of you guys have said you want a yo-yo, so I will I will talk to Stephanie and we'll see if we can make it happen. So, and and then I'll figure out um, a good number and we'll do a limited run and we'll do it. And uh, yeah, like I said, as long as she's up for it, I'm up for it. I like to order them and, and do them. Um. Okay, I'm I'm gonna butcher the name. I'm gonna say the last name. Bosca. Bosca says, "Hey, Philip, what do you think of the Music Man silhouette?" Please, it's my birthday. Well, happy birthday, first of all. Um, so happy birthday. And uh, I like the Music Man silhouette. Well, I'm a Music Man fan. I, I, I like Music Man guitars. I've always, you know what it is? It's Music Man for me has been, it's an, it's another guitar company that's a neck. In other words, if you like the neck, you love the guitars. If you don't like the neck, you don't love the guitars. The Music Man necks are kind of small. They're easy to play, but that sometimes that's, you know, sometimes they're too small. 
I find them very, very comfortable. Um, but sometimes I prefer a, a thicker, chunkier kind of neck than the Music Man. And that's why I don't own as many Music Mans. It's because they're kind of expensive, so it's hard to just buy them. Uh, but I love the Music Man silhouette. And um, I even like the, uh, like I said, I like all the Sterling stuff in my Music Man as well. So it's really great when you like both the upper line and the lower line of our product line. Uh, okay, what else do we got? Let's see, you guys got some questions? Uh, let's see, Steve's got a question. He says, don't read it, but I understand, man. It's just, he says, how do I contact you regarding a KYG uh, shirt I purchased? Uh, you can send it to Ask Know Your Gear. We'll do our best. If it's a, qual if it's a quality issue or if it's uh, something they did wrong in the shirt, um, we usually ask you to, to, to contact Teespring, but, um, you know, we understand Teespring's like, they're like any big internet company. They don't really handle stuff very quickly, but, um, we will just kind of shoot out an email to them for you. And that's how we've kind of done in the past. We've not yet seen where they haven't taken care of things. We were with T chip before and they were pretty good, but we did have some complaints. So we moved to Teespring and that's what happens with these, uh, third party services that do all this stuff. So, um, we kind of have them do it. They get to keep a, a big chunk of the money cause they're doing the work, but that's what they're supposed to be doing is handling this kind of stuff for us. So we don't have to do that, but, uh, we're more than happy if you want to send us an email to take a look at it and see what we can do to fix any issues. Um, okay. What else do you guys got? Okay. Pacifica two, five, two, nine. It says, can you do a video on getting rid of hum? I'd really need to know more in, you mean hum like in the guitar or hum like the amps humming? I mean, it's one and the same thing almost, but um, we do have a series of videos. That's what I was up to the week before I got sick. I had filmed probably more videos than I'd ever filmed uh, since I've been doing this uh, because we decided to do the repair videos all at once. So we were doing these things called tech tips. You guys remember when I was parceling out the tech tip videos and this became a problem. And this reason is, is because they take a lot longer to produce. And what I realized sometimes with these smaller kind of instructional type videos is that um, I put it out and if it doesn't do well, it makes me feel like, <coughs> excuse me, I apologize for coughing. Um, it makes me feel like maybe the people aren't interested in them. And that's not what I want to get my mind into. What I want to do is just make them all and then put them out. And then I realize that they're going to be more of a resource material. It's not so much entertainment. So I'm, I don't see a whole lot of you watching a lot of like how to put in, you know, install an output jack or how to, you know, uh, how to insulate a cavity. But I want this series out. Um, so what's going to happen is we're going to finish them all up. Um, I did 20 something of them so far because some of them are short. Some are like two minutes long. Some are 10 minutes long. They're just, and then we're going to put them in category folders and then we're going to give them to the patrons and let the patrons give us feedback. And then when we're ready, release it. And then I have to figure out that as well, how to dump it on YouTube without you guys getting like 50 notifications. So I'll figure that out as well. But I realized that this kind of stuff is more of a resource information. So, um, plus this is how in the next two Sharp Max videos that you're about to see, um, the information will be divvied out is the sharp. My will be the overview of what we did, what I did, you know, just like they are in the past. The difference is, is that, um, 
in every point what I did, there'll be a video you can link to if you just want to watch me physically do the work. Um, and that was something you guys gave feedback on. And I thought that was really interesting was, you know, the it's the balancing act. How do I make an entertaining video that people want to watch? but also make an informational video for people who want more information. And I figured out the different, I figured out for me to do it is make the entertaining video, but link you to the sources. So if you just want to watch the highlight reel, let's like, think about like, I like to think of it like Bob Vila or one of those house shows where they fix up the person's house and they don't really show you hammering the nails and stuff. They show you the before and then talk about what they're going to do. And then the after that's what the sharpen my axes will kind of be just a general over of what I've been doing. And then any specific detail in that video, you can click in and watch the entire work of how I did it. Um, not so much unedited, but you know, definitely more detailed uh, in that shot. The problem is by doing that, I added uh, so many layers of work that I, I mean, it's, it's I say we a lot because sometimes it could help, but you understand it's essentially a, a one man sh shop, you know, <laughs> one man show with this stuff. So um it's just a lot more work, but I think in the long run, I really want this to be successful. And I think that's how we're going to do it. So, so there you go. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, Peter says it's a cool idea. I think it's a cool idea too. I've never seen anybody really do it on YouTube. Um, and, um, like I said, uh, episodes 14, 15 and 16 are the next sharp on my axes. And, uh, there's some good news. What's the good news, uh, for some of you guys, one of those is a base. That's going to be good for some of you guys, the bass players out there. Um, but I decided to do something, uh, each video, I've decided to do something uniquely different in the video so it appeals to everyone. The bass one will probably appeal to guitar players for a strange reason. So even though it's a bass guitar, what I do to the bass is different enough that I think guitar players will want to watch me uh, do it to see how you could do it for guitar. So cool stuff. Um, real quick, because we've got some pin questions. Hold on a second. I don't want to lose you guys. Um... Sean Brown said, tried Nags guitars for the first time. Amazing. Well, Sean, uh, as you heard me mention earlier, my uh, my buddy, uh, Larry Mitchell, uh, he's actually not only plays Nags, but he's a Nags artist. Uh, he, they make a Larry Mitchell Nags guitar, and I've played his guitars, and I love Nags. Joe Nags is, uh, obviously, if you guys don't know who Nags guitars is, Joe Nags was a, a pri the private stock builder. He was one of the private stock builders at Paul Reed Smith Guitars. Um, he's a very, very... Um, important person to the PRS history. And he uh, went off on his own and started his own company and his guitars are fantastic. Um, and, uh, but they are expensive. So, um, now here's an interesting thing, Sean, I can tell you though, I love my PRS Mira and I've talked about this a lot of times. And, uh, that was a Joe Nags, uh, um, model. I believe Joe was the inspiration behind the, the Mira. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of what's funny. I, 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 I see myself getting a Nags, uh, one day I've, I've tried a bunch. They're just expensive. So it's like, you got to find the right one. You know what I mean? At that price point, you really can't be, I don't know. You can't be okay. You know, just okay with it. That's a, that's going to be, if I buy a Nags, it's going to be the most expensive guitar I've ever purchased. So it's going to be what I, what I want. It's gotta be. So, uh, Gordon says, Hey, Phil for uh, compound radius fretboards. How do you set string radius? Uh, the bridge uh, for lowest action. Also, any special considerations for fret leveling? Um, okay, so on a compound radius fretboard, let's start with a setup that's kind of interesting to talk about. Um, the the way I tend to do it 
is I set the radius to the flattest point of the fretboard. And I know some other techs have done it the opposite way. So if you've, let's say, because sometimes it gets a little crazy. To me, when you see things that are like nine and a half to 14, I've seen that, you know, with Fender. And I've seen the, you know, 12 to 14, and those are normal. But sometimes I've seen it get crazy where I saw somebody do a seven and a quarter radius um, to 12. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, just to make sure everybody's on the same page, compound radius fretboard. If you know uh, what on a fretboard, there's a radius and there's how flat it is. The bigger the number, the bigger the circle. Therefore, the uh, smaller the slice off that circle, the less round the fretboard is. That's kind of general, but we'll, you know, we'll get there. Um, so in other words, a nine and a half inch radius fretboard, we're just talking about the fretboard, not the back of the neck. This is just the fretboard where the frets go. Uh, nine and a half inch radius fretboard will be rounder than let's say a 12 inch radius fretboard or a 16. A 20 inch radius fretboard is like a classical guitar. That's how I always kind of try to picture it in your head. Uh, uh, the most round fretboard that I've seen is uh, seven and a half, seven and a half, seven and a half inch, seven and a quarter. God, I'm doing off memory now. Seven and a half, seven and a quarter. Uh, uh, I want to say seven and a quarter. Seven and a quarter inch radius fretboard for fenders. Um, remember, I do have a head cold. Um, and um, it's very round. And the reason that's great is when you kind of bar chords, your finger really never goes perfectly flat. So the rounder fretboard is supposed to make it easier to make bar chords on the fretboard. Um, that's the theory. And so compound radius, which like you saw in Jackson's first, where the fretboard at the top above the fifth fret is a little rounder. And as it goes up the fretboard, it gets flatter. Now, I think originally when I saw compound radius, it was 12, which is pretty flat. It got to 16. But now with Fender, like the uh, the elites and some of the deluxes, they were going nine and a half to 14. Um, I personally have found no problem setting my uh, radius on the bridge at the flattest radius. I've never had a problem. Generally speaking, and this is why, hold on. Generally speaking, compound radius fretboards are reserved for guitars that are built a little better. So it's very rare, hopefully, that you see a compound radius fretboard with fret issues, right? If a guitar company is taking the time to make a compound radius fretboard, you're hoping, uh, yeah, it's seven and a quarter. Thank you guys. Um, so, um, if they're taking more time to make the compound radius, they're taking more time to do the fret work, generally speaking. Um, and um, I've never had a uh, problem setting it that way. So that's that's the way I do it, and I've never had a problem. Uh, now, your second part of your question was a fret leveling. Fret leveling, that becomes a little problematic too. Um, there's a couple different techniques. And, I, you know, that's one of the videos we didn't address because um, I actually have a special... Maybe that's a video to do because what's funny is I actually have a special sanding block system for that. I was very lucky and a um, machinist built this out of aluminum and it's amazing. And uh, I have it. The problem I, is that um, I've, I've used it for so long now, so many years now, but I don't know if you could buy one. So interesting. Interesting. That's an interesting thing to think about after the video or after the show today because that might be helpful in these uh these instructional videos okay uh sarang said thoughts on the fender aerodyne strat or telly i'm a big fan of the aerodyne uh bases uh the strat and telly were okay I, you know it's not like anything that stuck out with me as being you know amazing but i've always liked the aerodyne stuff it's kind of cool and sleek looking if you guys don't know it's kind of kind of carved you know body like this uh, really cool. Um, 
I can't remember because the guitars were different. They were they're very short lived, right? The guitars may be available in Japan. It's not in current production. Not that I know of now. So, uh, hold on. Getting sidetracked with somebody's comment. Hold on. Um, but um, in the basses, they came in colors, and the guitars I always felt like it just came in black. But cool stuff. I'm sure they play great. My question to you is, where were they made? Are they made in Korea? Are they made in Japan? I don't think they... I don't remember them doing USA wins, what they could have. Uh, what was the question? I'm sorry, somebody's comment that made me laugh. Okay, hold on a second. There was two questions. Then I missed it. Okay. Um, okay, so that pedal schmo says nine and a half to 14 radius should be set at 16 at the bridge. 12 to 16 radius should be set at 18 at the bridge. I've seen them, do, I've seen it done that way as well. The problem is that that question, and this is the, the real problem with all this stuff is, and this is the problem with videos and reviews. This is something I've said many times. When you do a review, whether it's good or bad, it's a sim it's a sample of one, right? It's a, you know, it's, it's, it's when I, if I review one amp, that amp right there, that amp should be consistent with the other amps. But again, the day I review it, my mood that day, the guitar I use a day, you know, the, the temperature of the room, you name it, everything can affect that one review. So one review is not a review of all things. So you should never think of that. Same thing with setups. Setups are an interesting thing. Guitars are so individual in how they feel. What I've what I've learned is, is this is the thing that you, let me put it this way. Something that's hard for a technician or a luthier to explain to a customer is a lot of times your guitar, your guitar dictates how well it can play. Not the luthier, the tech. You can make something play its absolute best. I really believe that if somebody gave me a guitar, I don't care what guitar you give me, I, I would do my best to make it play its absolute best. But for me to say that I can make it play a certain way and guarantee that is almost impossible because the guitar has some something to say about that as well. Um, maybe the neck won't be as straight as I want it to be, or maybe the frets, even though they're, you know, you can level frets, you can do all things, but sometimes guitars just, they don't, they don't do what they want to do. You know, they do what they want to do, I should say. So that being said, um, radiusing the bridge as flat as you can gets a little tricky. That's what I'm saying. So like, I, I agree nine and a half to 14 inch radius, uh, set it at a 16 inch, 16 radius on the bridge is something that I would shoot for. But to be honest with you, I would also adjust to because ultimately I'm looking for the best, the best way it plays, but it's got to sound right too. And sometimes, you know, sometimes I think we've all experienced this. You get a guitar and you're like, okay, this, it plays good, but it doesn't play as great as it can, but it sounds great. And you get it to play just a little bit better. And it just doesn't sound right. That happens all the time. There's always a sweet spot on guitars for me where the action gets as low as it can get, but then you lose some of that voice of the guitar. And I don't mean sizzling and buzzing. I'm just talking about there's just like, you lose a little bit of the tone it just goes away. Um, instinctually, I think the strings don't want to be close to the guitar. It just doesn't feel that way. So something to think about, but like I said, he's not wrong either. That's, what's great about this. Um, so, uh, Jason Wade, Hey, what's up, buddy? He says, I like quarter saw 12 to uh, 14 inch radius 
if it's my home wallet. That's another exact. See, another great thing. That's why it's great we're having conversation like this. Cortison necks are a perfect example. You know, when I think of uh, compound radius guitars back in the day, I think of these Cortison necks as well, where the necks, you know, uh, Cortison, we've talked about that on the live show as well. They cut the wooden quarters like this way, like a pizza versus flats on in, you know, in rows. And it puts the grain in a, in a, in, in the correct way. It makes it, makes it more stable neck. Now here's the interesting part about that. Um, there's a lot of theories of why you don't need Cortison. Again, this is almost all guitar building is somebody's theory. And for everybody gets proven wrong. Somebody gets proven right again. But my experience is Cortison necks, man, for the, especially the older ones, um, back in the day, they just can perform great. And, and here's how I know that it's not from an experience of setting up the guitars. It's from an experience of talking to other techs. I can see, I'm sure whatever you do for a living out there, everybody does something for a living. And when you talk to somebody else who does what your trade is, you have a camaraderie, camaraderie immediately, right? You meet somebody that does what you do. They know your, they know immediately the, yeah, I know what that's like that day, or I know this is the good part of the job. And when you talk to somebody who sets up guitars for a living or repairs guitars for a living, there's certain things that you kind of like, yeah, I know I dread those when they come in or, oh yeah, those are great to work on. Um, some of the old uh, Jackson guitars, you know, especially the American ones and the Japanese ones uh, from when they come in for setups, man, sometimes they're just like butter to set up. They're just great. And the new Jacksons are great, but for some reason they just don't dial in as so easily as those old ones do. It's just, a, it's just a, something I've, and I, and I, like I said, I wouldn't have took notice of that, but then when you talk to other people, they say they've had the same experiences. So, all right. So what else, what else you guys got? Uh, this is an interesting question. It's from Wes McClanahan. Mrs. McClanahan. We're going to go with my, that. Sorry, Wes. Uh, H humbucker single humbucker or humbucker single single. What is my preference? Um, and that's in that question, I would I would pick humbucker single single. And the reason is is because I'm really of a humbucker humbucker. I like a humbucker in the bridge and the neck, and that's pretty much it. I'm good. I don't need anything else. I don't need coil splits or anything. I'm, I'd be happy pretty much any guitar in that situation. Although I like single coils. And so if I do have single coils, I tend to have the humbucker and the bridge. To me, it's always about the humbucker and the bridge. Um, I just like that better than the single coil and the bridge. But the neck, I have luck with single coils or humbuckers. But there you go. I don't need all the wacky combination settings. And that's what, when I see humbucker, single humbucker, my first reaction to that every time is like kind of like that gym behind me. It's going to have a lot of those like, you know, weird settings in position two and four and stuff. And those are cool and they're fun, but not something I use. And that's because, you know, there's always, there's always, and I've, I, I, there's always two sides of me as a, as a gear con connoisseur, you know, collector and somebody who likes to play music. My playing music side is so practical. It's like, just give me a strat or something with humbuckers and a decent amp. And I just play, um, you know, some, some punk rock or some rock and roll, just play and have fun. I don't really need 50 pedals. I don't, you know I mean? I'm just really, I'm the, I'm the opposite of who I am when I'm the collector. When I'm the collector, it's all about the little, you know, details and kind of pedals and trying things and experimenting things. Um, 
it's it's just not very practical for me. So, um, and I think that's why I became a collector of stuff, especially since think of this, I'm an actual, I'm a bass player. As a bass player, I really could just take like that sound gear bass and a preamp pedal and go play and, and, and I'm fine. I don't need anything else. I don't need a pedal board or any wacky stuff. Um, and um, that's straightforward, but that's not very fun when you're not playing. You know, this is all about, you know, like I said, I sometimes look at collecting guitar gear as people who collect Star Wars stuff or Legos and stuff. That's why I always laugh when people talk about, you know, how many guitars you need and stuff. And I'm like, well, I don't know how many Legos you need. I don't understand. It's it's something you do. So it's uh, it's something you collect um, for fun. And it happens to be in the field I work in. So it's even more fun for me. So um, what else do we got? Okay, Ed Pack says best ABY pedal for tube amps and stereo. So <clears throat> Morley's got a new ABY switch that's coming out. Uh, this NAM show, I have not tried it. I've not seen it. Um, I'm really interested in it. I like Morley's ABY switch. Uh, I recommend it, but I'm really excited to see this new one because my I think Radial makes the best ABY switch out there. And, um, those are those things I hate to say, because as much as I like the radio guys and their, their gear is great. I like the Morley guys. I'm a Morley fan. The Morley people have been really nice to me on this channel. Um, so I, you know, I, I recommend the ABY for Morley as a very, uh, practical, affordable pedal. So, you know, for 50 bucks, it's made in the USA. It's good. But for a hundred dollars, the radio seems to be, in my opinion, slightly better product. You know what I mean? It's, it's just uh, less noise issues, less stuff. But Morley seems to be stepping up the game with new ones. Sorry, I have to use a cough drop. So there's my answer. If you want to save some money, you want a good quality one, look at the Morley one. If more, money's not an issue, look at those radial ones because they're really good. Or hold out and see what I say when I check out the uh, the new Morleys. Maybe uh, if they're as good, if not better than the AB uh, radial, I'd like to say that because they're a good company. Um, hold on a second. Okay. Next question. Uh, it's from Jeff. Jeff says, thanks. For, hey, Jeff says, thanks for the vids. You're welcome, buddy. Thank you for hanging out. I uh, got my Squire Bullet Strat upgraded and could not have done it without your help. You know, Jeff, I'm glad you said that. I have a video, um, that unfortunately I could not finish. I needed just to say like five more words, not even joking it's just i was right at the end i'm like 90 finished i just need to finish and i had no voice for four days to even finish it um anyways i decided to do a video and i'm and so this this is good about two years ago i did a video maybe two and a half years ago um i did a video like what the difference between a squire and a fender strat some of you guys may remember that video where i said you know i had this 130 dollars squire bullet compared against the 1300 american dollars 1300 american strat what you may not remember that video is I said in the video that that Squire bullet was my personal Squire bullet. I still have that bullet today. I still play it all the time. I love it. And inspired by you guys, which is the craziest thing, right? It's how inspiration works back and forward. From you guys being excited about sharpen my axe videos, I was... <laughs> I got inspired to like sharpen my own guitar. So I tricked out my bullet. And I uh, so I did a review of it. Uh, it's my Squire bullet. Um, and I love my Squire Bullet, and I'll talk about, uh, you know, when I release the video. Hopefully, I'll have that video out this week, too. Um, 
Uh, today was about just doing the live show to get out there and talk to you guys. This is physically the most my voice has worked and is today. So if I can knock out the rest of those videos and finish them up, I'll, I'll have some all the content that didn't get out, out to you guys. But I'm excited about this video because I love this Squire Bullet. I mean, I love it. And uh, I even explained, I think I explained in that video uh, why I picked it. Uh, and I'll exp I explain in the new video why I've kept it, why it's so special to me uh, as a guitar. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, Tony. Hey, good. Uh, Tony says, thanks to Bob Crosley for the caliper video on the Sharper Max page. I enjoyed his video as well, Tony. I, I, I did. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, we'll cue you in. Uh, there is a Sharpen My Axe uh, page on Facebook. Some of you guys have mentioned that, you know, Facebook is the devil and you don't want to go to Facebook. I understand that stuff. That's why um, Mike Shy also got the flu, even though he's on the other side of the country for me. We all seem to got the flu. Maybe we got through the phone. Um, <laughs> anyways, he's been down and out. And um, same issue. He's uh, putting a Sharpen My Axe contact uh, page on the website for those of you that don't want to go to the evil Facebook. Uh, obviously Facebook is there and we're using it because it's free and you guys can interact. If you guys want to visit the Sharpen Max Facebook page, you can post pictures of the guitars you're working on, maybe ask questions to each other. In this particular case, Bob Crosley shared some, he's one of the viewers, uh, an amazing guy. And he posted a really cool video uh, showing how you measure uh, the, the, uh, the uh, nut slot width. Uh, on the uh, on a nut and with a caliper and it was a really cool video i enjoyed it very much and um it's really cool because it's something like that's what's great about uh interacting and that's why i think this weekly show is important because not only do you guys get to interact with each other which i notice most of you guys do um it's not about asking me a question that's not what it's about it's about cr creating the, the the conversation i have learned more doing these episodes than I could ever learn from anything else because sometimes it's as easy as I never thought anyone had that question before. So, and sometimes, you know, um, everybody's looking for the new big, exciting secret thing to talk about on YouTube. And really what gets glossed over is some basic information like, Hey, how do you measure the nut slot? You know what I mean? How do you measure the distance in the, you know, on a nut, stuff like that. So great video, Bob. Uh, and thank you, Tony for, uh, uh mentioning that. Cause that was, that was really cool because he needs to get some credit for that. Okay, uh, let's see. What else? Uh, the next one. Hold on. I got some pin questions. Uh, hold on. I'm just going to do Donovan Peacock real quick because he just did a super chat for just to say that I'm awesome. Thank you, man, and have a beer. Dude, I would love to have a beer. I am just not, but I will. I promise when I'm, I'm better, I'm thinking about a week. Um, I never smoked before. I, I know smokers. It's a thing with smokers, right? Every smoker friend I know quits smoking when they get a cold. They're like, oh, I quit smoking four days ago. Well, why? And I got a cold four days ago. <clears throat> I, um, yeah, same thing, man. If I get a cold and then like a week or two after a cold, I can't drink at all. I'm just can't. So there you go. Uh, so, but thank you. Uh, what else? Ah, Aquaman 5, Aquaman, I'm hope I'm saying it right. Aquaman 5 says, what are you excited about this year's NAM uh, innovation wise? <coughs> Again, I apologize for coughing guys. I really appreciate you guys, you know, pushing through this with me. Okay. Um, what am I excited about? You know, there's a couple things I'm excited about. Um, Peterson has a new Strobo Stomp tuner. Uh, I'm excited about that. 
um, because I like Peterson products. I use a strobe tuner uh, for obviously setting up guitars, and I really like their products. Um, so I'm excited about their new tuner. Um, I'm excited about the new Morley ABYs because I like Morley and I like to support businesses I like, and I like to support businesses who have been nice to me. If you guys saw on, on Instagram, they sent me this really cool anniversary Morley Chrome pedal set. I'm doing a video on that. They just sent it to me. Uh, and uh, it's really important to me because um, the Morley guys are, um, they're, they're one, of, it's great when a company reaches out to you when you're doing reviews and stuff. I've been a Morley fan for so long. I have so many Morley pedals. In fact, on my board right now, I have, there's my Morley Maverick wall. Is it out of frame? No, it's right there. You see? Oh, wait. No, it's not. There's my Morley right there. See? There's my Morley mini wall. I, um, uh, that's my Maverick. And I've just been a Morley fan forever. So, um, so I'm excited about that. Um, I'm really excited about, but I'm not sure if I'm supposed to tell you guys. Um, so I'm not going to, I'm going to mention it briefly. Uh, Dan Electro has a new line of guitars and uh, I was, I was lucky enough to get to see them. Very excited about them because, um, and I'll, I'll tell you what I actually said to the owner of the company. Uh, my response on email, when he let me sneak peek them, I said, actually, you know what? If you check out the channel, I'll link it. Uh, if you check out the channel, RJ, he's a great uh, player. He's a Nashville player. He's a YouTuber. Check out his channel. I'll put a link when we index this later. He's demoing them. There's two guitars. One, there's an anniversary 59 uh, NOS in this blue flake that is just, I, I've never wanted a guitar so bad. It's so silly. You know what I mean? Uh, the, you know what? I, I don't even care about the jokes. Everybody's like, ah, you need another guitar. I don't need another guitar. But man, that guitar, just when I saw it, it's just, I don't know what it is about that guitar. It's just, it's just the big 70s bass boat flake on it looks cool as heck um excited about that but really what i'm excited about is they got a new line of guitars where they've revamped them a little bit and i really this is what i said to him i said i really think dan electros has a, a, a really has grown into a, a really look of their own you know like these kind of have a mose right kind of vibe obviously the 84 had a strat kind of vibe Dan Electro has the 59 nos you know which has got the dan electro look um or the, you know but these guitars I don't know. There's just something about them. And I love it because I've talked about this many times. I love when people take old ideas and they modernize them a little bit. I love that. Seems to be not the norm for the consumer out there. Most of you players out there seem to really want things to be vintage looking or modern looking, you know, like, I don't know if it's modern, but you get the idea. Um, I like, I like to mix it up. Like to me, give me something that kind of looks old, but you know, trick it out a little bit in a new way. Um, it, like to me, when I think of the, the, was it the Dodge Challenger, that car, that's what I liked. It's like that car just is, looks like something old, but it's got a new look to it. I love that. So I'm excited about that. Um, saw some new Gibson stuff that looked pretty good. Uh, anyone else see anything else? I haven't seen a whole lot. You know what I mean? Um, some of the stuff I saw, I've been as a new guitars that look like Kiesel's. You know what I mean? That's going to be a thing. So that's the circle of, uh, the circle of life, right? Carbons used to look like Ibanez's. Now Ibanez's look like Kiesel's just maybe. So somebody right now is angry typing. <laughs> so I mean, no offense to anybody, by the way. Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, just because it's the right time in the vein of this uh, question, Anthony's question is anything new from PRS? Well, PRS has got the 594 semi hollow. Um, that's cool. Very cool. Um, 
I'm sure it's going to hurt financially though, uh, expensive guitar because the 594, I have my 594 right there that, you know, right there. I'm there. I'm, I'm pointing at it there. Uh, 594s are expensive. Um, semi hollows are expensive. Uh, so semi hollows probably about five grand for that guitar normally. So I'm, I haven't seen the price tag. Has anyone seen the price tag? I'm going to say six, right? So 6,000 bucks. I mean, that doesn't even feel like real to me. That feels like, I mean, this joke before with the patrons, I'll say it to you guys. Um, I don't know if I'm ready mentally to pay more for a guitar that I've paid for my first car. So, uh, and I haven't, so, you know, to this day, I've never bought a, uh, a guitar that costs more than my first car. Um, and, um, Oh, I'd probably tell you a reference. Uh, my first car, I think, was... Uh, actually, I know it was. It was a 1989 uh, Jeep Comanche. And I think we paid $4,200 for it, which is a lot of money. And uh, I was very lucky. I'm not going to lie. That was I was 17, and that was my... I got a truck, man. That was that was the coolest thing, man. That was awesome. And um, anyways, uh, you know, I can't imagine paying more... You know what I mean? In fact, I made the joke. I said, uh, you know, I look at guitars that are five grand. And then a few minutes later, I go, I start looking at boats and things. I mean, you could buy real stuff. I could buy a car. You can buy a used BMW for five grand. So that's a lot of money. I know some of you guys out there buy them and that's great. And I know I have a lot of guitars and I'm not obviously judging anyone. You guys want to pay 20 grand for a guitar. It's your money. You, you do what makes you happy. Me, um, you know, I don't, I, I just can't mentally do it. That's just too much guitar for me. It's, you know what it is? It's because I'm not, if I'm collecting a guitar for a reason, there's some cemental logic to it. Like to me, and this, these are, these are great conversations like therapy. This gem right here, this is a guitar to me that just was something I wanted when I was a kid. It's, I bought it. I'm very aware of the fact that it's worth what I paid for it right now. And I can sell it right now for what I paid for it. Um, so I, I, I feel confident with that. Um, it's a little tough though, when you spay, you know, kind of crazy money for guitar and, uh, you know, and everybody's like, well, you know, what if you keep it forever? But the truth is I have strats that I paid a thousand bucks for that I love that I'd keep forever. So that's my issue right now. I don't really need a guitar as a, I'm not looking for a tone that I don't have or a sound I don't have. If right now at this point, if I'm buying guitars, it's just because it's eye candy. It's fun to own for a little while. It's something to do, something to have, um, play with, you know, um, that's what it is. That's what you're collecting this stuff for. I've, I've identified who I am as a player. I'm a guy who likes a strat with a humbucker in it or super strat, whatever you want to call that. So, so Jim says not counting tax. I've never spent over a thousand dollars on a guitar. Yeah. You know what, Jim, you know, what's funny is, and this is something to also bring up that's important with guitars. Um, and the collecting aspect because of collecting, that's a different thing. Like I, I love it when musicians say to me, um, this is a great thing. I love when musicians say, um, and you know, at Pacifica 529 saying it right now, five to $600 is my high end, maybe $800 for something really special. You know, I have a friend and he's a, he's a professional musician. He plays out and he's a hardworking musician and he wouldn't pay over $600 for an instrument because he wears them out. You know, he'll, he plays them and he plays them until they're, they're gone and he gets another one. I think that's very practical. Again, there's nothing wrong with being practical. You just, you, it's a tool. You buy it as a tool and you have it as a tool. Um, that makes sense. <clears throat> the guitars that I own, 
that are expensive. And I always have to point this out. I kind of worked up to them. I didn't like just go out and slap down a credit card one day or money and buy them. They just, it's like a trade up system. I eventually, you know, I bought a guitar and I got lucky. You know what happened to me? I bought a guitar and then it was worth double, triple what I paid for it. I just did with this a couple of weeks ago. I bought something and, uh, and, uh, it doubled in value. And, uh, when stuff doubles or triples in value, like any good collector, I use it to, Move, maneuver towards the thing I'm trying to get after, right? I look at this and I'm really not versed in this. So please understand the, the analogy is very weak. It's like baseball cards. Uh, you can't buy a Babe Ruth card. They're too expensive, but you could get a bunch of Mickey Mantle cards or whatever card you need and trade for it. Does it make sense? Again, I'm not a baseball person. So you understand the concept. Uh, some of this, this guitar, I traded for that guitar. That's how I got it. Um, uh, you know, that's, that's how it essentially works for me. Some of these guitars, I move stuff around and trade for it and, and you maneuver up and then it's just a collection and you grow it and you have fun with it. It's something to do with your time and your money. And, uh, and very aware of the fact that one day I'll have to sell all this stuff. You know what I mean? That's how I look at that. You either get too old and you sell it or, you know, the kids, you know, maybe, I don't know, they want something and you sell it. That's how it works. I have no mental, I have no attachment to this stuff to the point where I would not sell it for any reason. It's fun to do. So obviously I've been in this industry buying and selling guitars for a while. After a while you get kind of a, an instinct for what to buy and what not to buy. Um, so here's a good one too. It ties in with this. Sean Brooks says, I paid $2,200 for my McCarty 594. So it's a good, you know what, Sean, I'll, I'll be very forthcoming with you as well. I paid, uh, I think, I can't remember the exact dollar amount. I don't think it was 22. I think it was like maybe 2190 or 20 it might about 2200 for my mccarty 594 that one right there uh and i bought it new and um um and that was a good deal and that's why i bought it because uh i'd have to look on reverb right now but i'm pretty sure i could sell that right now for 22 it's mint condition 594 right so um that's what they seem to be getting so that's what's great right is i bought it because i got an opportunity to buy it at that price I had the money uh, in, on a card to put it on or, you know, wherever in my account. I shouldn't say, like, I don't want to allude that I was credit card, but it was on my account. I had the money. And I, I knew I could try it and buy it, and I did it. And uh, I like it. And I know if I want to get rid of it, I can move on with it and move the money into something else. That's how this kind of maneuvers. And a lot of you guys have asked about that. How do you grow a collection? And a uh, funny story was, that's something that me and the Tone King had talked about once, is maybe that would be some interesting videos. I think the Tone King should do, especially... How do you grow collections for those of you out there are collecting and, and doing this stuff? Because I've said this before, I'll say it again. Collectors are informed consumers. Collectors by nature research and learn and you fixate on things, right? You know, whether I don't care what you collect, if you collect Legos, I have a friend, I'll leave him off the, off the, his name off because of this, what I'm going to say next. He was telling me he collects Legos. I knew that about him. He collects a lot of Legos and he decided, he told me he's, going to sell his Lego collection. And he was telling me it was worth 80 grand and he was going to let it go for 50 grand. And I, I had, a, I, I was in shock. I had no idea. So I started looking online. And yeah, that's totally possible for Lego guys to do this. I don't connect with that. Yeah, that's a lot of money, but I understand that he, he's very aware of the fact that he can, you know, what he bought and he knows what it's worth. So there you go. Um, so yeah, that's what's great about this stuff. And so for some of you guys who and, and gals out there who say, how do you, you know, how do you, 
not so much collect, but how do you work up the guitar? That's how you do it. You that's what's great about this stuff. It holds value. You can trade it in, you can sell it, you can trade. You know what I mean? Um, there's some of the most interesting things I've ever seen when it comes to gear and how it's moved in a most strange way are the ones that are savvy on Craigslist to realize that this pro this thing they own is only worth three, four hundred dollars. But if they can find the right person, they can trade for something that's worth more. I've seen it done a thousand times. So like I said, that's how you become informed. Uh, let's see. Uh, Chris says there must be one you won't part with. No, no. You know what it is, Chris? I, I'm, I, I don't have, you know, I don't own my first guitar. Some, some of you guys out there still have your first guitar. I don't have that. Um, because of that mentality. So, you know, the reason I don't have my first guitar, my second guitar is because of trading things. You know, I traded, you know, traded up. And then when I decided to join the army, I sold everything, um, because I knew I wasn't going to be back for a while. And, um, you know, you have to pay to store that stuff. So, and my, my, my mother was nice enough to store my truck. That was my truck, my, my Comanche at, at her home. Um, uh, you know, uh, so that was, that was it. So I, um, start from scratch when I came back from the army with gear and, um, um, no, you know what it is? I, I can tell you this. I would really not like to get rid of my, uh, my bases, the, t uh, um, this Warwick right here or the, uh, jazz deluxe custom that I have because they are very personal to me as bases. And I've been playing them for so long. Obviously the Warwick's new, but I mean, uh, here's the deal. If I sell that Warwick, I'm never getting one again. They're just too expensive. But, um, I wouldn't like to do that, but guitar wise, no, I, I'm strat. Like I said, you'll see my review. My bullet strat is fantastic. So, I mean, it's fantastic. Um, I would never tell any of you that it's as good as any of American strats. That's just, that's just not gonna, it's not, it's not there, but I, you'll see the video. You'll see the point of the video, uh, when we do it and why I feel the way I do about the amp and the guitar I'm going to review. Uh, it, actually what I'm going to do in that video, I don't know. I'm letting too much out of the bag right now, but it's, I'm so excited. That's why I said it sucked that I got the flu and I couldn't finish it. It's actually my least expensive guitar and amp. And I'm letting you see that and my most expensive guitar and amp. And I'm comparing the two and not, sh not one of those comparisons, like which one's better, the crazy expensive guitar and amp and the cheap guitar amp. I'm explaining to you why I love both and why they both have merit. That's how I look at that. They both have merit. And, um, you know, so there you go. Uh, Ah, another good question. Peter says, uh, Peter says, is there anything in your, that you own that could not be replaced? Um, no, I don't own anything that exotic. Um, no, nothing. Yeah. I'm looking around right now. Nothing. So no, I mean, you know, uh, here, here's the thing. There's a lot of stuff that I would have to pay more money to get. And that's what, that's the reality of it. But no, because what you really see is a lot of good deals. So that's what's tough. I mean, there's certain things that if, you know, I got it, I got it because it was the opportunity was right. The deal was right. I was able to afford it and get it, make sense of it. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, but no, um, no, I don't think there's anything that way. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Okay, hold on one second, guys. Yeah, uh, BJ Denny Denley Dental BJ Dental says I love how excited you are about the bullet. Yeah, well, it's important to me. 
Um, and like I said, I'll explain, I'll explain that when I, in the video, I don't want to ruin it. Um, I just feel bad that I couldn't get it out, uh, before I got, got the flu. Um, let's see. Next question is from Sean Romeo Bay TM, uh, says, um, have you ever tried Compton or true arc on your Gretsch? Okay. Or any other guitar with Tom style bridge. Love my Compton for the same reason as the PRS wraparound. Let's move more. Oh, now let's look at this Compton. Sometimes you guys say something and for some reason, I don't know what it is. And then as soon as I see it, I, um, okay. So the Compton is, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. I'll show you guys what, uh, what we're talking about. Um, the Compton is a compensated bridge. Let's start the screen share right there. Here we go. It's right here. Um, yes. In fact, um, Maybe not this brand. This Compton seems to be Compton Compensated Bridge. I had a, this style of bridge on my um, my anniversary Gretsch that I sold. Um, and I enjoyed it very much. I don't know if I noticed a, a massive difference or anything. Um, I think those bridges tend to be less rattly than the individual saddles. There's, uh, there's a theory. You know, uh, th the whole concept of those bridges, those one-piece bridges is, uh, you know, uh, Paul Reed Smith once said, um, you know, one piece bridges are better because it transfers vibration differently than like when they have compensated saddles and stuff. And his joke was, he says, you know, you know, you don't put a bolt through a church bell. You know what I mean? And, um, I, I find, uh, that's uh, an interesting logic. Um, and I found it to be, um, I don't know if it's, I, again, I would never question, you know, uh, Paul Reed Smith I figure if he's, he's probably done the research. Let's just say that. But, um, I enjoyed the bridge, but a lot of times the bridge is like that. I don't know if I notice a whole lot of difference, a massive amount. It's always subtle to me, but it's really cool. I like the concept of one piece bridge. Um, what else we got? Uh, Schechter. What? His name's Schechter. Uh, know your gear rocks, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Tim Smith says, thanks for everyone. Everything. Uh, have you seen the the new one watt black star at a glance. What do you think? Oh, well, I don't know. Let's take a look at that. As you guys know, I was a fan of the old one. I saw they came out with, I saw that you guys see the new black star. We'll talk about that. Cause it's good. Um, I'm not seeing, let's see a 2019 Nam pulls it up. 2019 Nam one watt black star. Ah, okay, here we go. And I'll share with you guys as soon as I see it. And there it is. And it is what I thought it was. So let me share it with you. And then I'll tell you my thoughts. So yeah, there's a new uh, one watt Black Star. What's interesting is it's not so much this new line of Black Star amps, uh, the HT1R MK2 Mark IIs. Um, it's really what's interesting about this is the advertising they did. I don't know if you guys have seen the ads yet but the ads are definitely, let's just say not subtle. The ad is, uh, don't have the blues junior. Um, 
watch. I'm, you know what? Let's uh, see if we can find that. Um, let's go back and lose. Junior, I want to share the ad with you. We could talk about if it comes up. No, nothing in images yet. Blues Junior ad. Hold on a second, guys. Anything? Nothing? Huh. Music Radar. Does anyone have the the advertisement? Does anyone know what I'm talking about, this advertisement yet? Okay. So the advertisement for this amp, I can't find it. So let me tell you what it is. The advertisement for the amp is a picture of like a kid and he's all sad or something. And it says, don't have the blues junior, right? Um, or don't get the blues junior. And it's a, a double entendre, right? It's basically like, don't get the blues junior, like the kid. They're like, don't get the, but I think what they're saying is obviously don't get the blues junior by their thing. So what's interesting about this was to me, what perked my you know eyes up when I saw the ad was, uh, this is Blackstar revamping their product line, obviously trying to go after that market, the blues junior market. So if you guys haven't seen the ad, I'm, I'm interested to see what you think of when you think of that, uh, what you think of that marketing. And, um, what do you think of, um, uh, uh, what do you think of, you know, what do you think about Blackstar doing something like that? I thought it was interesting. Um, seems like a big, seems like a big, not a, I don't know. seems like a big company to go after when you're, anytime you try to go after Fender a little bit, it's kind of ballsy. So, so yeah. Um, Jake uh, says, have I seen the new, uh, more pedal? Uh, that looks like the Helix. Yeah, I saw that. I saw they were getting grief for it too, right? There's a lot of grief about Helix or about more co just copying stuff. So, yeah. Um, but I think that's what how that works, right? Isn't that how that works? Those come the smaller. This is a copycat business, unfortunately. So, um, okay. Hold on one second. What else do we got? Uh, <laughs> okay, this is gonna be funny. Um, says Anthony says anything new coming from PRS? Um, oh, we already did that. I did that one out of order. Oh, sorry. Waterford, <laughs> Waterford Giant says, "Ouch, my first car guy. The first car guideline. Guideline. He had a 1971 Mercury Capri for 950 bucks. Does that count? Yeah, you know what? It does." And so my question to, to you guys is, you know, how many of you have done that? I mean, like I said, I admittedly said, you know, some of you guys, I'm sure, you know, had like, you know, somebody out there had rich parents or something. My car was nice, man. My, I'm not going to lie. My, like when I got that truck, like my friends were envious. Um, uh, you know, uh, I got the car in 92. Yeah, 92. So I got the car in 92 and it was an 89. So, you know, it was, you know, only a couple of years old. <coughs> the reason I got it though, was because it was used as a work truck. It was a white work truck with long bed and it had a hundred and something thousand miles already on it. So, but to my friends, man, that was the best car in the neighborhood. Maybe I, you know, everybody lives in different places, man. Everybody's going to have a different experience of what I'm talking about. Some of you guys in nicer stuff and some of you guys had cheaper stuff, it's just how it works. But, I understand, but I think it's hard for anybody. See, so Don says uh, his first car was a 1966 Plymouth um, Belvedere. 
for 350 bucks. Yep. So again, um, but here's the thing. And that's why I'm, I'm interested in your guys' comments like that. At some point, uh, yeah, see, Chris says the Comanche was a hot ride in 92. Yeah, it was, you know, for I live, if you had a truck, it was cool. It was like, like cool to have a truck. Um, but, um, so, um, but what's going to say was, I think that's, 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 I think, I think an emotional thing all of us kind of deal with. I think that's how people react to guitar prices in general. When I hear people in comments all the time in every video, can't people, for every person who says, I can't believe you spend $10,000 for a guitar. Or people say, I can't believe you $20,000. There's people that say that about $2,000 guitar. People say things about, I can't believe anybody spends more than $500 on a guitar. I always find that interesting. Nobody's wrong. You spend your comfort zone. I, I've said this before. I will say it again. I used to believe when I, when I first opened the store, I used to believe people spent their means. In other words, how much money you had dictates how much money you spend. And I found that to be, actually, I was so horribly wrong. What I learned in retail was people spend their comfort zone. You spend what you're comfortable spending. It doesn't matter how much money you make. People who make good money for some reason, you know, they won't spend more than a certain amount because it doesn't matter how much money you make. People have values and it just, it just happens. And that the opposite, people are broke as crap and spend way too much money. They're out of control. People, right? Uh, people come in and buy a new guitar instead of pay their rent. That's just how it is. There's this, everybody's got different comforts when it comes to spending. Um, and, um, and you learn that. And I think it's important to understand that about people and their, and when then we talk about money in this industry and how money works, you got to understand people are just going to spend their comfort zones. Don't ever think because somebody buys something nice there, they have money and don't ever think because they have something nice. Um, they're not broke. It could go either way. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. See, Harris says you spend what you want to. Exactly. Like I said, that's why I say comfort zone. Same thing. People spend what they want. Um, and I've said that before, uh, what I can spend and what I will spend are two different things and doesn't matter. Um, let's see. Okay. Uh, Oh, uh, Daniel, uh, just, I just want to say this question cause I don't know any answers, but it would be nice if you guys have questions or comments out there. Any news on some new EVH gear for Nam? Um, I heard they got some new colors on the Wolfgang, some crazy colors. That's what I heard. I, somebody I thought said the colors too. They're crazy. You know, some more pastel colors, like a surf green. I think there's a surf green, matte surf green Wolfgang or something. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's baby blue. So, but, um, no, I haven't heard much. So, uh, Jim says, Hey, can you recommend a Piezo system or Piazzo system or Piezo system or pizza system? Whatever will make somebody happy. Um, last time I said, there's two different ways to say it. There was comments about both ways being wrong. What's say, you know, um, a transducer system? Is that what you mean, <laughs> Jim? The transducer system. He's asking about a transducer system for a Tele style guitar. Uh, yeah, I like the Go system by Greftech. So you'll see why soon. <laughs> but I, I like it. Um, and there's actually more. Yeah, Piazzo. Yeah, see. 
Yeah. Null Space says Jack White, EVH, I think. Yeah, I saw it too. With three pickups in it, right? Three humbuckers? Something crazy? Okay, so... Let me get to some of the pin questions. Again, guys, totally appreciate you dealing with my voice issues and stuff. Kurt says, hey, Phil, thoughts on the Line 6 Helix, pros and cons to it, and have you spent any amount of time with uh, with one playing live? So, Kurt, I've now had one for about a month and a half to two months. And I'm going to be honest, and it's, it's as a person who's never really messed with any of these systems before, um, I was told by uh, friends that know this stuff that of the four, there's the Kemper, the Axe Effects, the Helix, and the Head Rush. Is it Head Rush? Right, that's the other one. Uh, that the Head Rush uh, this, uh, is the easiest to learn off of. I'm going to say that's probably true. I don't know. What I can tell you about the Helix is it's not, an, it's not a very hard unit to learn. However, it's been an interesting uh, journey for me with the Helix. And Here's why I have depending and that's why I've been apprehensive about doing the video because depending on the moment, I have different feelings about it. Sometimes I really hate it. Sometimes I love it. And ultimately, though, I will tell you this. You said ask for the pros and cons on it. Here are the pros and cons. Pros. It does sound good. However, there is something about line six and it has a certain sound to it. Line 6 has a sound. I think Boss has a certain sound. Marshall has a certain sound. Fender has a certain sound. When I say Line 6 doesn't have uh, Line 6 has a certain sound, I'm sure a lot of you are going to think that means a negative thing. It's not. Line 6 has a sound. Whether you buy whatever Line 6 product you buy, expensive or low end, uh, it has a tone to it. And if you don't like the Line 6 tone, I think you will not be happy with the Helix. However, that being said, <clears throat> I don't have a problem with the line six sound. I kind of like it. Um, so the helix, the, 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 the cons are, it does have a line six kind of vibe to it where I do generally believe with a lot. I, I agree with a lot of people who've said the ax effects and the Kemper sound more like the actual amplifiers. I agree with that so far the, a lot of the helix settings that say they are these amps that the, that line six says, I don't know if I necessarily am, I'm like, like, yes, it sounds exactly like that Marshall, and it sounds exactly like that Fender. I think it sounds Marshall-esque and Fender-esque, and I think it's really good, and it sounds fantastic. But I'm not at the place where people are, where I see in a lot of times where people are like, this sounds exactly like the amp. I'm not having that experience with the Helix right now. I'm not having an experience where it sounds exactly like the amplifier that I'm uh, you know, trying to compare it to. What I am ex experiencing is, is it sounds really good and it's easy to get good sounds out of and it's very versatile in what it does and it has a lot of options where I can play at low volumes or headphones or record with it. I mean, it's I mean, it's way more versatile than any of my amplifiers are. Um, not just because there's more sounds, but just what it can do. Just direct recording features. Um, but like a lot of people said, I had some okay experience with it. They told me to get some IRs for it. I did that. It improved it a lot. Um, so in the cons, again, it's a little bit of a learning curve. There's a learning curve to it. If you've never done any of this stuff before, like I came at digital modeling. This is a first, like this is my first product with this stuff. Um, it wasn't as easy as everybody said. It, yeah, navigating the screens and stuff weren't that horrible, but it wasn't just turn it on and turn knobs. It wasn't that easy. Uh, pros, like I said, it sounds great. 
it seems to be built really well. I've, I've heard horrible things. Uh, had a viewer send me a, an email about uh, his broke and stuff. I haven't had issues with mine, and I've been pretty normal with it. You know, I haven't been babying it or anything. Um, so there you have. Uh, as for a review, um, I've decided for th this review, when it comes to play, when it comes to it, I'm going to do a review about my experience with it because I think uh, I want to appeal to the player that I am. Um, I would like I would like to give someone who's thinking about diving into this world some insights that I learned, and maybe help them either save themselves a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars or two thousand dollars, or help them, you know, kind of put that money down on the table. Uh, yeah. See, Alan says, okay, so that's the next thing I will tell you, Alan. Uh, and this is this is tax on that says uh, you owe it to yourself to check out the head rush. So. I will say this. Everybody told me the head rush is easier to use than the Line 6 Helix. The Line 6 Helix was not an insurmountable beast. So what I will say is, that being said, um, if the head rush is easier, that's probably a really nice uh, thing. You know what I mean? Nice nice that it, you know, uh, it's nicer that it's easier. But the Helix was not a monster of impossibilities. So... Uh, Okay, so uh, he's. Uh, I can't see. Is it D Dealies? I'm gonna say Dealies. Dealies says, "What do you? What did you monitor the Helix with?" So the Helix. <coughs> again, apologize for coughing, guys. Um, the Helix. I used a couple things. So um, I used um, mostly. Hold on, I gotta get a cough drop. I'm gonna lose my voice in a second. I used uh, first. I used my Archon's effects loops. I ran. The because um, the Archon is uh, just ran the uh, Helix out into <coughs> again. Sorry guys for the coughing. Um, into the Helix uh, return of the effects loop and just used the power amp section of that and ran in a cabinet. And um, I had good. Uh, it sounded good. But it sounded better once I got the IRs in, uh, in involved. Um, I did front it into an amp to see how it sounds. It was not as awesome with that. You definitely want to use it as like a monitor system, let the Helix do all the work. That's what I learned. That's what's great about the Helix. You don't need a nice amplifier for the Helix. Um, I used a um, zero reference uh, PA speaker, or not a zero point PA speaker, a, a monitor, my KRKs. I ran some KRK or zero reference monitors through them, um, or studio monitors, I should say, not zero reference, but studio monitors. Um, I like those. They sounded pretty good too. Uh, it was really good. It says, yeah, uh, okay. Um, so, um, I had good, a good, good experience with that as well. And, um, really enjoyed it the most with headphones though. So even recording, I ran it into my interface and my computer and use headphones. Good. Like I said, we'll, I'll talk about this when I do the, the video again, <clears throat> I think the problem with the video, and this is why it took so long to do as I had, sometimes, you know, you have to figure out your angle on something. I was trying to do a demonstration video on how to use it and what to do. And I realized that's not where you come. You know, you can go to Pete Thorne for that or Rabir or, you know, um, I mean, there's so many guys out there that know what they're talking about with that stuff. Um, I don't want to do that. I, so I'm, I'm now decided the video I'm doing, which you'll see is what's my experience with it. How did I overcome the, the, the problems I had with it? What did I like about it? And that's, and that's what I think will might be helpful. I, a video I wish I could have had when I had it because it would let me know some of the things that, you know, if you haven't tried this yet, some of the tries. What I will tell you this, and again, I don't want to ruin anything for anybody, but what I will tell you is this. Um, I like it, and I'm excited to try others like it. 
I mean, it's really good. Yeah, see, somebody says the Helix is decent. Uh, you know what? I have the Helix LT. I will say this. For a 1000 bucks, it seems pretty decent for the price point compared to the other units. But I'm really curious now to try the other units. So, um, another one is... Gary says, hey, Phil, any suggestions on a reasonably priced attenuator? I have a modded 6505 Plus, and it's just too loud. Sure, I did a video where I compared my uh, Rock Crusher, which is right there against uh my uh the uh my uh bajera uh attenuator uh the bajera one like i said in the video i will say this it it's a hundred bucks and i totally understand now why for a hundred bucks it's a it's a good product for a hundred bucks um i think a lot of you guys out there um that are playing like a four hundred dollar tube amp i don't i don't think it makes sense to buy a five six hundred dollar attenuator for it it just makes any that makes no sense um However, I will say this without a question ever again. The Rivera makes quality stuff. I, I trust that thing. Uh, I probably more than any, probably any piece of gear in this room. I trust that thing. So, uh, you know, take that with whatever you can. That's a great stuff. I've heard great things about Ox and Two Notes and all that stuff, but Rivera, the Rivera is great. Um, so what I would suggest, uh, you said affordable. Look at the Bajera one. Keep in mind that Jetonator by Jet City is $200. And I, I've heard it better things about its quality than the Bajera thing. But I think, um, you know, you know, like read the reviews. And I, and I love that video because there are some negatives and positive comments about people saying they've had bad experiences and good. And it always weirds you out when somebody's had a bad experience and, you know, saying that they had trouble with a product. But overall, uh, for 100 bucks, the Bajera thing's hard to beat, man. 100 bucks. It seems to work pretty good. But keep that. And like I said, take everything with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? So, uh, BJ Danell says, Phil, what are your thoughts on the strat strat in humbuckers by Seymour Duncan? Any thoughts on how to get best strat or telly like sound from a Les Paul? Okay. Um, here's what I need to understand what you're asking me. Hold on a second before. I don't see, hold on a second, because I tried to, so you're saying Strat in humbuckers. So I, I please, please understand. I'm going to try to do my best. It says Strat in humbuckers by Seymour Duncan. I assume I'm going to search again. Because sometimes there's new products, and, and when it's around NAM, it gets a little crazy when you guys ask me questions because I may not know exactly. I don't see anything different than what I already think, so I'm just double-checking, guys. Um, so you're I think you're talking about humbuckers that make strat tones, like coil splitting, right? Any thoughts on how to get the best strat or telly-like sound in a Les Paul? Um, you know... I mean, to be honest with you, that's an, that's best is tough. Usable, usable is, a, you know, it's, you got to set expectations, man. To me, if you coil split on a Seymour Duncan, a JB and a 59 and a Les Paul, you can get some convincing single coil sounds. You know what I mean? They're not going to be amazing, but they're convincing. So there you go. Um, that's what you do. Uh, something to think about, though, it's kind of cool, is that if you're looking at getting Les Paul, look at those um, triple shot system by Seymour Duncan. Those are really cool. I've, I've installed those in Les Pauls. I like them a lot. 
Uh, like I said, I'll say it again, triple shot. It's a system that you just put them right on the, they're the pickup frames and they have switches and you can get uh, different kinds of sounds out of them. Uh, you can get, uh, you know, out of phase. No, you get, I think you get what? You get a humbucker. And then if you go back, you can, you can select either the inner coil or the outer coil. I think there's even an out of phase system in it. It's been a while. It's been at least two years since I've installed a set. I remember installing tons of those and then they just kind of died off. In fact, uh, my like first second video I ever did on this channel was of that, but it, it's been a while now. Um, that's something you can check out as well. But again, best is not the word I would use. It's going to be, you know, usable. You can get usable strat tones out of uh, single coil RS coil splits. Okay, so David says it's a specific pickup from Seymour Duncan. See, and that's why I searched it because it sounds like that's what he's asking me is a new pickup. Hold on. So the answer to the question is, I don't know anything about it because Stratton Humbucker Seymour Duncan Custom Shop. It's a custom shop pickup. Okay, so let me share with you guys. See, that's why. I, thank you guys, man. I love it. You guys all help. So we can look at this together for everybody. Okay. Um, this looks like a fat cat pickup for me uh, right off the bat. So it's obviously something, okay, it's a, that single coil chime instead of humbucker. Uh, yeah. Here's what I can tell you. I actually, I've never tried this pickup, so I can't really give you a, a, a uh, advice on something I don't know anything about. But what I can tell you is I have installed fat cats, and I'm sure that's this, this is some kind of version of that. They're pretty good. But... But also keep in mind, you know, you can just take, you can just take a, a humbucker, a Seymour Duncan humbucker. You can just take the six screws on one side and just take them all out. <laughs> kind of does the same thing to some degree. Um, but, um, you know, that may not be what you're after. But, uh, but the Fat Cat's pretty good. You'll get, <coughs> excuse me again. I don't know if, uh. I don't know if there's anything in that that's so much better than just coil splitting. If you guys have experience with that specifically, I'd like you guys to chime in because that's always cool to know. Sometimes that's why, like I said, I like it when the questions are something I've experienced because then I can just tell you how I how, how I dealt with it. But as a guess, I would guess it sounds okay, but I can't imagine it's that much blows you way more than a coil split. So, so. Uh, hold on. Um, I see, I see the Detroit animal. I'm um, just reading it real quick. Awesome voice, but I had an idea I'd like to share with you. Uh, get a chance, by the way. Yeah, you can uh, anytime. Just let me know. Uh, you can send it to the P McKnight seven. Uh, I'll look for your email. Uh, you just got your KYG T-shirt. Awesome. Thank you, buddy. That that. We're doing the, um, now we do the gold top less Pauls, I think is what we have. There's a 10% discount code. I'll put a link this to, every time we do a live show, we'll do a 10% discount code for the t-shirts and I'll put it in the link. Um, just cause, uh, something you guys asked for and I thought it was cool to do. Uh, and I have no problem with that. Obviously all those shirts, uh, fund this channel, man. Thank you guys. You guys make this, you guys make this happen. Okay. On that note. Uh, last thing we got to cover before we go is, uh, song of the week. So I did my uh, Blackbird song. Obviously I had the flu for four days, but I did my 
thing and I put it on Instagram. I uh, hope you guys did really well with that. Any, any, cause I had the flu. I didn't put, get to put any time in it. Anybody got any thoughts, a good idea for this week's song? You know what? I actually think if you guys don't mind, I like to skip song of the week this week because I got the NAM show. I just got over the flu and, um, and, uh, but I would like to have suggestions for next week's, which means this Friday is coming up this Friday. I'll either do this Friday show this Friday or this weekend coming up. It'll be right after the NAM show. It depends on when I return and how that works out. I want to come back from the NAM show fresh with all kinds of information for you guys and doing kind of cool stuff. So, um, but, uh, uh, oh, any Sanders says any information on the EH versus more lawsuit. No, um, I had seen, <laughs> are they suing him again? They've sued him before. Um, Morris, uh, Morris had issues, uh, with, uh, pedals before. Uh, so, you know, two years ago on a live show, we talked about this. It was like two years ago. So, um, so if there's another lawsuit that or this is the same thing from the other lawsuit. But yeah, it doesn't. Nothing shocks me, unfortunately. So, <laughs> oh, don't fear the reaper. That's a good one. Maybe that's what we should do. Something a little easier. Oh, they won. Okay, so okay, so we're gonna so according to Tone King. Well, he would know because he's he's. He's very diligent about when he reports stuff. Um, so, okay. So EH won the lawsuit against Moore on the panel. Well, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Um, so. Okay. Uh, here's something for the lozenges. It says you missed my super Q. Super Q. Let's see. Hold on. Let me find you real quick. Give me a second, Matt. And I'm just checking to see, Matt, if you did I did you since? Oh, okay. All right, Matt. I see it now. <coughs> it says thoughts on amp makers finally trying to get in one on the Fender Blues. Oh yeah, the Black Star HT20 MK2. Uh see the post on Instagram and the super blues King. Yes. This is what I was talking about earlier, Matt. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I think, what do I think about it? Is this a, what are my thoughts on it? It's interesting to me because you know, Fender's a big company. I don't mean big, like scary and they're going to try to do anything to black star for this, but it's really interesting when a small company like black star or a company like that, actually, you know, it's not even that it's, it's, it's interesting that they're going after the Fender blues junior market. It's that it's a different market for Blackstar. See, I, I think it's interesting because when I think Blackstar, I don't think of Fender Tone Blues, right? I think rock. They're a rock metal amp company. So this says a lot to me. This is Blackstar trying to rebrand because obviously the first thing you want to do is, I think Blackstar, um, you know, we know a lot. We're a bunch of dudes that came from Marshall. You, you know, right. That's, that's the story, right? A couple of the guys left Marshall and started a black star. And there's, you know, some more to the story than that, but that's the general idea. 
So when you think Black Star, you think Marshall and high gain amps and medium gain amps. So I think it's interesting that Black Star is now focusing on Fender, and that tells you that they're trying to rebrand a little bit or ex or maybe expand brand. And um, it'll be interesting to see what they do because I generally like Black Star stuff. I think it's uh it's pretty decent for the money, you know. Uh, you know, it's like any other company that makes any inexpensive stuff. I've heard people complain that stuff breaks. I don't think I've ever had a Black Star amp break. Um trying to think in my personal amps but um for the price they've been very good for what i what i've got so um so matt i think it's really cool okay we're gonna wrap it up let's do uh shola i don't know man shola i hope i'm saying it right shola says sholi sholi says what pickup configuration would you recommend for the stratocaster it will be my only guitar, and I plan on playing a variety of music types. Man, you are not going to like my answer. It's going to be two humbuckers um, with coil splits. That's what I like for strats. It's um. Here's what I can tell you, man. You can play any music. You can't play death metal probably on a single coil, but you can play anything on a strat. You know, but to me, a strat with humbuckers, <coughs> excuse me, uh, is a pretty versatile instrument. So I think if you go with two humbuckers, um, you'll be fine. Or an HSS, you know, humbucker, single, single configuration. I think that's pretty good. It's pretty straightforward. I like it. So. There is. Hold on. Ah, CSTV says, if your amp breaks, what, what did you do with it? So. I have like I have a broken Phil Jones amp right now that I bought. It's uh it's uh it, it bummed me out. You know, it was a it was a nice amp. I bought it and it, it broke. Um, I tend, me personally, I tend uh, to um not fix them. Amps are really interesting for me. They either tend to work forever or they die. You know what I mean? That's that's me. That's not a fact. Don't don't. You know, but um, so what do I do with amps that tie? I usually give them to my friends that fix amps for a living and see if they want them and uh, if they can fix them. The Phil Jones is just so different because it's like a digital uh, or class D base amp. It's just a different kind of product. Um, I contacted Phil Jones and I, I think they said that um, they think they know what's wrong with it. But they've had that problem before. And if I shipped it to them, they'd fix it. I thought about doing that, but to be honest with you, what happened was, you know, like life, I got too busy. It was working too much, you know, working too much. And by the time I got time to it, I, I realized at this point, I now have to reconnect with the company to ask the guy, you know, hey, is it still okay if I ship this thing to you guys to have you fix it? Um, I'm sure it was under warranty at some point. It's the warranty's gone now. Um, but that's what I do with that stuff. It, it's, I, I don't know. Uh, because uh, again, uh, you know, my gosh, the amount of amps um, that have broken on me are not very, very many. Um, that that uh, you guys may have seen the video. This uh, Archon head I got, I got uh, delivered in the mail. It came almost just totally destroyed. I was able to fix it and keep it going. It was fine. So my experience with the amps I've owned in my life. Oh, you know what? This is a this uh <laughs> this supersonic. This thing. Uh, 
shouldn't even be existing anymore how destroyed it got at one point uh which same thing shipping damage uh the person who shipped it to me didn't pack it didn't put packaging in it um and it got beat up pretty bad and um you know it, it still works like i said it's weird to me amps really take an abuse or they just die <clears throat> so if they die i tend to get weary of them <clears throat> so um i'm trying to think if i actually own an amp that i had fixed after it broke and <clears throat> i don't I, I tend to chuck them that's also why um uh i haven't you know i haven't bought really crazy expensive amps because i'm kind of like it when it comes to this stuff if i'm not okay with it breaking uh you know financially wise i don't think i can mentally take a three thousand dollar amp break and I, it's a lot of money to lose but any other amps you know you just i like said i have enough friends that either fix amps for a living or like to mess with amps maybe they can take it and do something with it have it so so um you know actually you know what amps uh, died on me was my um victory amp i had a victory crack and two of them die one after another that was something i don't know if we ever discussed it on the live show i know the patrons and i discussed it um i did a review of it and then after the review the amp died and um <clears throat> so i got a uh, another one and it, it died it had the same issue but different and um so uh so i sold them as broken um the, uh, I think I put them on, you can probably look on my old reverb auction. I think I put them on reverb for like next to nothing, like a hundred bucks or a couple hundred bucks as broken, not working. And somebody bought them for salvage to fix them or, you know, do something with them and modded them up. And again, it was just, you know, at, at this time I just wanted to move on. So, uh, oh, what is the, and then a couple last questions. What is the blue base behind me? That's my Warwick. Uh, that's my custom Warwick. Uh, it's a 32 inch scale uh, base. And um, curious to see what you guys think about that. What do you do? Yeah, Guitar Hack says, wow, I almost bought a victory. So, so you know, this is what's tough. This is what I said. Don't ever take one thing as the absolute. Um, I will tell you this. I could say honestly to you guys, because uh, I try to be as transparent as I can. Uh, that I bought a Kraken and it was a bad experience and that sucked. But I can tell you was I bought a BD-1 from Victory and I sold it. And I missed that amp more than anything. That was one of my favorite amps of all time. Uh, that amp sounds fantastic. And I think about getting it again and and um, I don't know why. What possessed me to get rid of it? Um, I know when I got rid of it, I was just trying to thin the, the amps up, you know, and I got rid of it. But uh, so that being said, you know, like I said, how do you say something about, that's what I can say about victory. I had a bad experience with victory and I had a great experience. That amp was great. It sounded great. So things happen, man. It just does. Nobody does perfect stuff. So, um, but I'm curious to see what you guys put in the comments. What do you do with bad amps? Do you guys, you know, you, I, I've talked to so many people over the years about this. I've heard every answer. A lot of people do have them fixed and keep them. Some people have them fixed and sell them off. Um, you know, the problem I have is, is it's, it's really comes to this. And this is maybe this is, I've said this before. Sometimes it's hard to maybe identify with me. I used to own a music store. Now I do YouTube. Either way, my, my problem is, is when I sell something to somebody, it's my name's behind it. I can't, I can't help that, but it's, that's just how it is. So, um, I worry sometimes when I sell stuff, you know what I mean? That, um, 
the, you know, sometimes why I look at it is, and this is my personal opinion, when I had the shop, or again, the YouTube entity of myself, either way, people trust in what I say and do. And if I sell something to them, I kind of sometimes believe they might pay more or do more because of that, that backing behind it. And so I'm a little more self-conscious about making sure whatever I sell is right. Um, so I get a little freaked out. I don't want to have an amp fixed. And then just because it got fixed, because everybody's experienced this, you get an amp fixed and it works for a little bit and then it craps back out again or does something else. And I a little weird out about selling stuff. So over the years, I've learned that if I, I just can't stand behind it, sometimes I just want to stay away from it. And that's, that's kind of a good idea. So I, that's what I try to do. Try. So there you go. Um, anyways, on that note, I think I'll let you guys go. So thank you guys for hanging out. Um, I got exciting stuff coming from the NAM show. Uh, I don't know how long I'm going to be there. I got to figure that out uh, today. And uh, but it will be, you know, a visit, and we'll I'll bring some cool stuff for you guys, some cool videos. Hopefully the two the two sharp maxes will be out, and everything will get done, and uh, and uh, hopefully my square bullet video will get done. All right. Uh, but uh, on that note. Thank you guys for hanging out. Before we go, of course, I'm going to do a shout out to the to the patrons that make this show happen every week. That's why main reason why we're here today is uh, for them. Uh, I just want to say a very big thank you to Jeff Howes, Zachary Rowe, Michael Newman, Bruce and the One Blood Wee Band, Hannah Gunson, John Jex, Michael Shy, Justin Mabe, David Madison, Andrew Good, Anthony Desposito, Billy Robinson, Blake Patsley, Patsy, sorry Blake, uh, Bob Crosley, Bob Pickwode. Brian Stewart, Chris Patelio. I'm going to be jacking up names because I do have a cough drop in my mouth. Uh, Chief Squatch, Chris from New Mexico, Chris Glaze, Craig Parker, Dave Reese, Dennis Prescott, Gary Marshall, Greg Patterson, Peterson, sorry, Greg, Jason Spacek, James Biles, Joe Watson, John Russell, Jonathan Pickering, Joseph McCarthy, Kermit Jackson, Kyle Mathis, Larry Culkin, Lawrence Petros, Lee Hawkins, Lonnie Hoke, Michael Lidner, Muse guitarist, love that name. Paul Ostreich, Louis and Alvaro from Pedal Pal Effects, Ricky Robinson, Robert Hodges, Sam Oram, Scott Tompkins, Steve Hogan, Tim Camacho, Tim Farnsworth, Todd Flowers, and Zesty Basil Pizza. And uh, thank you guys. I know I butchered the list, but like I said, we knew today was a kind of scratch video. We we're trying to get through it. Uh, the uh, so, um, Oh, Greg said, I didn't say sorry last week. Well, then I'm saying it this week. <laughs> um, all right, guys. On that note, thank you guys for hanging out. As always, it was great. And uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. And uh, know your gear. <laughs>